This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. It's a privilege to bring you a conversation with the queen herself, Doro. Now, the catalyst for our introduction is due to the launch of a new album. This one is called Conquerous, Forever Strong and Proud, and it continues the sterling run of form from her Nuclear Blast releases. Throughout this conversation, we talk about the new album, of course we do, but those of you who know the show, who know me, know I dive much deeper. You'll hear her thoughts on Bill Hudson, one of my favorite guitarists around today. He's in Doro's band and recorded on the album. How does she stay motivated, inspired? What are other creative outlets and hobbies? She's very authentic and she's very fearless, but has there ever been a moment that she's faced controversy or criticism, even censorship? It's all a part of this conversation here. And we finish on a, on a great note where she talks about her relationship, when I mean relationship, her friendship with Lemmy. Now the audio quality from Doro's side isn't so great. Do persevere because whilst the audio quality might not be tip top, the quality of the conversation is. So before we get to the chat, I have a tune to share with you. Living After Midnight from the new album, Conquerous, Forever Strong and Proud, of course, it features a cameo from the bloke who certainly wrote the lyrics, if not part of the music, Rob Halford, the metal god. So we've got the metal god and the queen of metal on a Judas Priest track before we dive into the chat, but only if you're listening via Rumble and the podcast apps, you good people on YouTube, you know the drill. You'll hear the conversation right about now. So either way, let's go.
<laughs> good, good morning Hello. from me, but good evening to you. How are you, Dora? It's lovely to see yes. you again. Oh, good to see you. Great to talk to you. Yeah, I'm doing good. Doing all kinds of promo for the new album, so you can imagine. <laughs> doing day and night. So, yeah, <laughs> but it's great. It's great to talk about music and metal and the new album. And, um, yeah, I'm doing really good. I just came back from Atlanta. We did the great Prog Power Festival last week. And I'm in Germany now and oh, yeah, wow. doing some festivals and gigs and yeah and videos we just uh, filmed the children of the dawn song the video we did mm -hmm. it two days ago and uh, did did you see the time for justice video did you see that video i have for yeah yeah you've done such a great job with those with the, especially yeah. lately these lately these nuclear blast things that you're doing lately are looking so great Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, we did the same, uh, the same video director and the same, they call Wasteland Warriors, that these people with a crazy outfit. We did, yeah, Children of the Dawn as, as well. So it's kind of a follow up of Time for Justice and stuff. Mm. And we filmed it, yeah. Actually, the, the, yes, yesterday, no, yeah, yeah, it was, let's say, yesterday night. So. Mm. <laughs> Look, it hints at something though. You're so devoted to metal, and in particular, you're so devoted to your fans. I think I think you are the most devoted artist out there to your fans. So, do you, does it leave much time for you though, and for anything else that you'd like to pursue? Oh, actually, oh, can you hear me? I put it on a thing, and I don't have to hold it. Yeah, okay. Tell yeah. me if you can. Yeah, actually, there's not much time to do anything else. It's 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 yeah. like. It's a twenty-four hour job, and uh, and I don't have a family. That's the reason why I made up my mind when I was twenty-four years old. One day I woke up. I was living for many, many years in Manhattan, and then I woke up and I thought, okay, today I choose my priorities in life because I wanted to do so much. Have this and this, have dogs and horses. So, okay, this is my priority: the music. But since I made that decision, I. I'm really happy and it's all good. It's all good. I don't miss anything. I miss having animals in my life. That's that that's a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I was in contact with people who save animals and who, you know, who rescue animals. So so and on the new album there's one song that's actually written for the animals. That's heavenly creatures. So okay. I wanna do something. Um so far only like you and the journalists have heard the album. The fans don't know don't know the album yet. So when it's mm. out, then I want the song. So no, fair enough. Yeah, was there? I have listened to the album, and look, what I can say about it is that it just continues the quality of music that you are well known for, and you are so prolific at this point. Now, I've, I've listened to it a couple of times, and the question that I came away with. Was there anything unusual or different that you tried on this album? Was there anything brand new to the Doro universe of music? Actually, you know, I, I always do what I feel, and uh, there's never like, a, you know, I, I don't plan things out. I just start, and then it mm. took about years to do this album. And, uh, you know, usually I like when I have an idea for the chorus and the melody. And uh, usually I get ideas actually in my sleep before I wake up or when I fall asleep at night, then I get sometimes really good ideas. And when I feel there's a special idea, then I can't sleep anymore. My heart is pumping. I'm all getting excited. And then I 
into the studio or put it at least on my cell phone and sing it. And then I send it usually to my longtime um, working partner. It's Andreas Brun. He's in Hamburg. He's the ex-guitar player of Sisters of Mercy. And mm. then I send it to him. I have this idea. I think it's pretty cool. Check it out. And when he says, oh, yeah, I love it, then we work on it. And usually, usually he, he digs the same idea passionate about something then he thinks oh man yeah that's cool so we just start and then and every song coming out in a different way usually i love when i have the melody and the lyric idea first but it can be that somebody has a riff for example on this album our guitar player bill hudson he had this idea for fire in the sky he put a demo together with guitars and drums and i listened to it first time and i immediately had the idea the chorus and fire in the sky and uh, so every song came out in a different way but i didn't didn't push for anything different or new certain things they just developed for example the song which is a little bit different i would say is the duet with sammy amara of the band broilers it's a big, big journey they fill stadiums and it's unbelievable and they invited me to be a guest on their two concerts last december it was like two Christmas shows and they are from the same hometown. Like I'm Düsseldorf, Germany. And I said, yeah, you know, let, let's do it. So I was a guest on their two shows and it was so cool. The people loved it. I loved the band. And then we said, hey, let's do one song for this album. And actually that was the last song we have written for this album. That's Bond Unending just came out a couple mm. of days ago. And that's a little bit different. But that is because he has a different background. He's not uh, he's not so much metal. He's more like he came from the punk era, more punk rock, and I'm more for the metal era. And then mm. we met, and and I always feel like my my theme for life is like deep friendship or fight the good fight. So so we wrote a song about bond unending deep friendship, mm. and that that was. A little bit different, and that was because he had a different background. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, but every song comes out of the heart, gut, soul. Um, it's not, there's not a plan before. And and actually, when you sit down, you say, oh, we want to write a song or with the band. That never, that never happens. That never no. works out well. It's like it could be a song, but I don't know. Sometimes it's maybe not so meaningful, so I rather have like um, a great idea first, and then. But every song is different. Every song is different. Like I told you, with "Fire in the Sky" with Bill, hmm. or yeah, or yeah. A guitar, couple of years. So, so there was yeah, somebody new in the band, and and "Children of the Dawn." We just did this video. Yeah. Day and I will prevail. I wrote with Stefan Hackenkopf, our new bass player. So, and he's an engineer. We worked in his studio, and it was actually pretty, pretty nice. And I loved it so much. That's the reason why I put the first song on this album, Children right. of the Dawn. So, mm. so, it developed naturally. And yeah, and then I had about 40 songs in the end. And then it was like hard to pick which songs would make the album because. You know, sometimes you have maybe five anthems or five ballads and then you have to pick, you know, your favorites or, or certain things that fit better. Mm. This 
I'm on the record, but yeah, and there are some other songs which are great, but you know, it was another German song. I thought, ah, no, cool German songs, that's too much. So, so you know, so there's always a reason why some songs don't make the album, even though they have good quality, but maybe mm. on another. Another one, yeah, save them, yeah. Hey, that's I'm really, really glad you brought up Bill Hudson too. I've, I've spoken to him a bunch of times and a uh, tremendous fella, outstanding guitarist. And I often find that kindred spirits, you, you know, you guys find each other. So how, how were you introduced to Bill? Uh, actually, yeah, we uh, we played, uh, you know, when I just told you I came back from the Prog Power Festival in Atlanta last week, we did mm. the first time Prog Power in 2018 and uh, in Atlanta. And uh, and actually, I was, uh, uh, we were talking, Chris Caffrey was supposed to be on the show. And uh, I did many, you know, gigs and we toured together and Chris is a great guitar player and he played in the Trans-Siberian Orchestra as well yeah. or he plays and uh, Chris had an accident uh, I think with his bike and he had a really bad accident and then I said man Chris you gotta do the gig with us and he said yes I will and then his manager called up and they said hey it's too dangerous because Chris got really hurt and we don't know what's going on and he can't make the pork power he said but we have somebody he's really good too and he plays in Transmere Orchestra and um, his name is Bill Hudson. And yeah, you know, I, I don't know, you know, Chris, you know, he knows our songs and, and the manager said, hey, you know, check him out. He's really, really, he's a good guy. Mm. So in two, Bill came and he was killing it and we rehearsed one night and then we did a show and then ever since Bill is in the band and we did many tours together. And sometimes when he plays with uh, I'm Morbid, then we have our mm. old guitar player, this Italian guy, Luca Pochotta. He always, you know, plays the festivals when Bill is not with us, which that, you know, that's sometimes difficult with like more people. But I thought nobody's out of the band. We just add on to the family. Expanded. And Luca, he was with us for so many years, but now he has a boy. He started a family. He got married oh, and, you yeah. know, like support his family and he built a studio. So, you know, he has a studio now and he's doing lots of production work. And, uh, yeah, so, so we are, we are a bigger family. Yeah. Mm. And in this day and age, it's not anymore like in the eighties and nineties that you have just one band. I, Totally, you know, support when the guys want to, you know, play, you know, other gigs or just you have to do whatever it takes to survive, you know. So I'm all I'm all for it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's talking about touring and the like. Were you finally is there, I know you've played in Australia before, but do you think you'll tour Australia on this album? Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I want to so bad. And actually, yeah, the booker is already checking it out. Hey, just a quick note. It's at this point that the audio became very choppy. It eventually resolved. And when it resolved, it became clear, as you'll soon hear, that Doro is talking about touring plans being affected because of an illness that's affecting her mother. So here she is. That's a little tricky. So... That's a little tricky. That's you know, to be honest about that. That's like yeah, you know, 
that's that totally sucks <laughs> it totally sucks but but mom is, is so sweet she's very supportive she used to do the fan club and you know she was always there for me so so now honestly it's my turn to you know to be there for her so yeah. so touring the moment pretty difficult and going away for a long time that's uh that's you know that's critical in the moment you know her health isn't so so well so that's no, not great but, yeah. yeah yeah it's it yeah we are at that age now and before you know she was always like yeah she was actually always my rock like my face in the brando that means like you're my rock and yeah but now i have to i really have to you know, take care of her and you know oh, and well, sometimes improve yeah I go into the studio at night and then you know in the day i took care of mom and then going back to the studio or going on tour and then driving back at night or you know or going by train it's like it's 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 an adventure let's put it's a it balance yeah i get it i understand what you're saying you're a devoted daughter yeah you're very you're a very devoted person dora you know that yes yes yeah that's the reason why i couldn't have any kids i think you know I couldn't go on tour a year like full and then you know leave the kids at or leave the kid at home work. So so I'm you know, I made up my mind we're not kids in this lifetime and but it's possible. Johnny D, our drummer, he has a little boy now. Yeah, and Luca Cotta, he has a boy. So mm. I'm, I'm a good aunt, you know. I hope <laughs> I, I don't but yeah. But oh, they yeah. always come. Oh, and they get inspired and probably Johnny's boy I guarantee you he will be a great drummer one of these days yeah yeah gotcha He's yeah no that's great yeah Look, I, I, we talked about your devotion but too the the other thing is that you I think your fans are very devoted to you see your t-shirts everywhere when they're scanning across those festival wide screen wide pan images so what's the most memorable encounter or interaction that you've had with a fan yeah, it's uh, that is something <clears throat> that is a really that's a that's an intense story. One time, I got a phone call from uh, a husband, and he said he said, "Well, I don't know about your music and stuff, but my wife, she's the biggest fan, and I know I know her." And uh, he said she is in a coma. She fell into a coma because I don't know if she had a tumor in. Her in her head there was something really really severe and he was like on the phone he was very very you know like sad and sad and he said man i don't know if he will survive and stuff i don't know what to do so we talked for a long time that he's such a big fan do something for her and i said i would do anything whatever it takes you know to you know to make her survive and to make her wake up again then we talked about, and he said, her favorite song is For Emma of the Triumph and Agni album. You know the song For Emma, right? Hmm. Big one, yeah. He said, can you say something on the answering machine and can you sing For Emma? And I will play to her every day. And that's what we did. So I said something really nice on the answering machine and I sang For Emma. And he played it to, you know, to his wife every day. What she woke up and she's now not all, I mean, she 
almost back to normal. You know, it takes a little bit more time, but she woke up and it helped her so much. And so I think, you know, music can really heal. And what the fans do for me, I go out of my way to do something good for the fans. And that was just one, one story which totally was like, wow. It was for months and months. That was severe. It was really touch and go. And yeah, and she missed it. And also because of the power of music and, you know, and, and the husband is now, you know, the happiest, luckiest guy, you know. And he said, and, and now I want to go and see you in concert. And I said, that's good, you know. Because she was like, yeah. stuff and he said, he's not, you know, he doesn't know much about metal. That, that doesn't matter. Just, you know, I'm sure you will love it. And uh, But when your wife loves it, then yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Look, look, something else. Look, throughout your career, look, you, you have been known for both your authenticity and your fearlessness in terms of sticking to your guns and just being you. And your fans love you for it. But has there ever been a moment where you've faced controversy or, or criticism? And can you tell me how you handled it? Well, all the time, not everybody loves you, not everybody loves your music. It's always like, you know, um, yeah, especially now um, in the 80s, 90s, there was no internet. But now, you know, when, yeah, when you, we are always doing Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and, you know, and there, you know, like so many great comments, but there's always one person who has something really nasty to say and, and so terrible because that one comment really sticks with you and, mm. you know, and, and, 99 people say the most loving stuff and they say, man, you mean the word to me and I love you, I love you, I love your songs. And then one person rips you apart and it's like, oh, man. sometimes it, it, it really hurts. And then I sleep so good at night or I even get a nightmare about it, you know. So you just have to deal with it and that's the nature of the beast. And I know that, you know, Everybody who likes the music or everybody who loves, you know, our concerts, I do it for the people who love it. People who don't like it, it's to other stuff. It's okay. I don't feel that everybody has to love it. It's the same stuff, you know. Uh, yeah. Freedom of speech, but when it gets really nasty, you know, that, that's a little, yeah, that's cool. But Try to concentrate on the positive stuff. When people say something nice, ah, oh, then I'm so happy. And when people say, "Yeah, you inspired me," or "You lift me up," or "You empower me," ah, oh, then then that gives me motivation to go on for the next forty years, and that's cool. But uh, yeah, the criticism uh, it hurts. Yeah, yeah. I can't say I don't care. I would love to say I don't fuck. Yeah, but there are sometimes. Yeah. It, and and there's always trolls and idiots out there, isn't there? Yes, yeah. Everybody has a different taste. That's okay. But then I think, yeah, well, why do they even go to our page? You know, why do they even listen or you know listen to the music? But yeah, but everybody has their own mind, and that's cool. That's cool. But. Mm. Uh, I concentrate on positive stuff. No, I try. You know, I I make myself concentrate on positive stuff, and then, but it's yeah. It you know how it is with the internet. Sometimes 
scary. It yeah. is, but so far yeah. it's okay. And it's yeah. definitely only us, you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's rare. But what what about? Have you ever faced any any? I haven't seen it, by the way. But I haven't done a lot of deep googling or those those stupid Reddit forums or what have you and, and searched. But have you ever faced a lot of controversy or uh, censorship or restrictions with your music? In other words, has any as have you ever had to deal with those sorts of issues? Has someone taken exception to something? You know, we're living in an age of cancel culture and censorship these days. No, not not yet, uh, not yet. Um, yeah. The only thing uh, was when we toured in China, then actually we had to um, send them the lyrics and, you know, and then I said, well, you can play this, you can sing this song. But then when we played live, I played everything I want. <laughs> and I thought, oh, and that was actually mm -hmm. scary because we played, uh, yeah, the mayor, uh, he came me on stage, the concert was over, but the fans were so excited, and the security, the police, everybody was head back, was really excited. And then the mayor came up, okay, oh, play two more songs. Really, yes, I would love to. And then I played um, my favorite priest song. Oh, actually, my, you know, you know that we did a duet on Living After Midnight, yeah. but the, the Dirk Schneider on a priest song was Breaking the Law. And actually, and we were out of our set list and we weren't rehearsed. So, you know, the whole other songs. And then I thought, yeah, two, two more songs. And then I did Breaking the Law. And then I saw the promoter and the mayor, the police came and they took him off the stage. And I thought, oh my God, it's oh my, my fault. Oh, they go to jail because I'm singing Breaking the Law. And it's probably totally forbidden. And uh, we finished the show and I was all like, you know, totally worried, totally worried. That, and then, thank God, the mayor, the promoter, they came back and I said, yes, there was um, a problem. We had to go to the police department because somebody said it's too loud. There was somebody living there and it was too loud. And I thought, oh, thank God. So, you know, <laughs> and open air. So it was open air. And I was, you know, people thought it was too loud, but but it was not breaking the law. The problem was, you know, the volume. And I thought, oh, thank God. So, um, so that was the only time that where we, you know, thought, yeah, we would not play every song. Like, didn't play it of evil or hellbound. Um, I thought, yeah, maybe. But in the end, we we did play certain songs, and nobody cared. It was cool. But before we uh, went uh, to try to, yeah, to give them all the lyrics and all the songs, and yeah, but I thought I have so many songs, I don't need to play exactly the songs which you know will be a problem because I was so happy to play there and for the fans, or oh, they loved it. And I thought you know to make the fans happy, that's more important to me than feeling you know. One song insert or yeah. Hmm. Have you ever have you ever played in any of the Arab states like Dubai? No, no, not yet. No, that's interesting. There are a lot of fans in that part of the world. I'm sure you know that. I'm sure you see the messages and the emails and the like. So, so as a promoter, 
have you guys looked into playing there or has a promoter reached out to you from there and it just hasn't quite worked out or something else? Oh, it's been close uh, that we would go there and then last minute it got cancelled. And, uh, and then I thought, oh, you know, shit. But uh, yeah, yeah, there, there were some some festivals going on and uh, yeah, but then something happened and it got cancelled actually last minute. So, so I had to stay there and I would love to and yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about, okay, so we talk about your dedication and your devotion and inspiration, though. That's that's something else because we all go through the doldrums where we don't feel too inspired, even with me or the podcast or work or what have you. But how, how do you keep yourself motivated? That's easy. You know, that's the fans, the fans. I love people. I love making people happy or make people, you know, feel something or give out good energy, give them power. Yeah, you know, be up, uplifting to people. And when I when I feel, yeah, somebody feels it's, you know, they love what I do or maybe a song or it, it helps them to overcome like a difficult time, uh, then I'm so happy and that gives me inspiration for life. And I was so blessed. I could tour with so many great bands, all my heroes, all my favorite bands I could work with. Like I was a big Kiss fan work um, growing up and I could work with Gene Simmons in 89. He was so such a great producer. He was so so caring. I could tour with Ronnie James Dio. He was my favorite singer. And with Judas Priest, that was my first tour in 86. I was a big Priest fan. Now Having two duets with Rob Hedford on this new album, Living After Midnight, that was my choice. Rob's choice was totally of the heart. And we're in the middle of doing a video for that song. The video and the single is coming out the day uh, the record will come out of October. And uh, I'm so grateful. It's so awesome. I was a big Rob Hedford fan. That was one of my biggest inspirations. Rob, Lemmy, Dio. <laughs> Every covered hill, and I could, you know, work with everybody. Actually, with David Coverdale, we haven't uh, done anything yet. Uh, that would be great. Um, but uh, yeah, with everybody, you know, I yeah. So mm-hmm. I, because I've seen, you know, all these great. I could learn from the best. So that was always like, wow, that's that's very inspiring. Like, you know, their life story, you know, worldwide, that's always, wow. And when I hop on stage, when see the fans are digging it, oh, that's mm. so cool. Mm. Every city, every venue is different, every country is different. And, and for example, in Australia, we had these cool people. I met them in Wacken. You know Wacken, no? the festival in yeah. Germany. Mm. And uh, we were doing an autograph session. Uh, many years ago, and then I met these great people from Australia. They call them Metal Warriors Australia. And, um, you know, we were talking. Man, it was great here, great show in Bucking and stuff. And they said, Can you put on a great show in Australia. We are from Australia. And we don't have any connections. We don't know any promoter there. When we do it, we will do it. But really? Are you kidding? No, we will do it. Steve, the main guy, he said, we will do it. And so we flew to Australia. We um, lived in, in Steve's house, I think, 
here I was the house of his parents and the parents. I don't know where they were, maybe in a hotel or they were sleeping <laughs> over by the whole band had the whole big house. And then we did a nice Australia tour and Steve was so nice. And all the people who worked on that tour, some people, I think they even quit their jobs to do promotion and to work for our gigs. And it was, it was great. So, so I, I, I met the best people in the world and metalheads, they are my favorite people anyhow. So, mm. yeah. And but the way to do something, ah, that's, that's like the mentality of the metalheads. I like that. Yeah, and I'm yeah. the <laughs> to do something great, and uh, yeah, and that was the first time that we could tour in Australia, and and he did a nice video and stuff, so we could do a whole video stuff on our DVD. That was my first DVD. It was called for Emma. There's an Australia special on, and that right. was so. <laughs> hey, you you mentioned you mentioned a lot of those those people that we as fans, we look up to, like Lemmy and David Coverdale and Gene Simmers. And that's the point. We're, we're fans, but they're your friends. And and I remember you were devastated when Lemmy passed away because we had a conversation just afterwards and you wrote a song for him on an aeroplane. Um, but from your perspective, and we as fans understand why he's special, but for you as a friend, why was Lemmy special? Oh, yeah. Even in the early eighties, when I met him, he was he was somebody. He was so special. He was so unique. He was so one of a kind. And you know, you could tell he's he's very wise. Um, he, he like you know, he had this. He was very deep. He was very spiritual and um of course he was like you know really happy and this persona everybody knows him as like you know lemmy and drinking and smoking and you know like but he was super 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 sensitive sweet uh yeah i met him in the 80s i uh, i walked to the monsters of rock festival to the stage in england Donington. on my way there oh lemmy Hey, Doro, you know, have a great show. And he said, you nervous? And I said, I'm so fucking nervous. I had so much stage fright. Then he put his arm around me and gave me a kiss on my And I said, you know, he was more than, you know, a normal musician. He walked on stage and he said, something nice. And like, you know, kill him or knock him dead, something like this. It's so good. So and we did a good show. Then people said, "Okay, let's give this little band a chance." And I could hop on tour with Judas Priest in 1986 Europe. My first tour in England. What? And it did so much. And then a couple of years later, I was uh, going through my record collection and saw the Motorhead record "No Sleep at All." You know, I picked up the mm. record and. There was this photo where Lemmy gave me a kiss on my forehead and I thought, wow, that's so cool. So I, I, you know, I cut it out and I wrote him a letter and I said, hey, Lemmy, it's Doro from Warlock. Hope you remember me. And I put the photo in. And, yeah, you know, we are now um, the same record. 
Yeah, it was back uh, in the day uh, we were both the same label. It was he, and I said, "Why well, are we are label mates?" And I'm doing a new album. Would it be possible to do something together? You know? I said, "Well, give me a call or let me know." I sent the letter to his management, and I never expected to hear back from the management because I know how it is to get so many letters. Mm. And, you know, usually just they have other stuff to do than you know than reading fan mail. So my dad was very sick. He was my best friend. I loved him so much. Yeah. That was totally, totally devastated. And I thought, man, that's, uh, I, I was really, really on. One day later, I went with my mom to buy her some black clothes for the funeral. I always wear black, but black, so we had to buy black clothes. I was oh, and the phone rang. And Loud, it was like a shopping center, whatever, and shop. The phone because people are getting already annoyed, you know, the phone is loud, you know. And I said, No, mom, I don't want to talk. And I looked at the phone, it was an LA number. I thought, Wow, that's odd, you know, I wouldn't know who would call me from LA. So I picked up the phone, and it was then. All right, your letter. Awesome, let's do something. And I said, Daddy, I'm so sad. My dad was my best friend. He said, Oh, I hear that in your voice. Daddy, I don't even know if I want to do anything anymore. I'm really, really so sad. He mm. said, Dorian, you hop on the plane, we do something. Actually, a couple of weeks later, at first I said, No, I don't want to do it. And he said, Please do it. Do it for me. Okay. So I bought a plane ticket, I went to LA and we did these two songs in the studio, Love Me Forever, the motor alone again. That mm. was a song I did on his acoustic guitar. He wrote a song on his acoustic So hard, so man, full of loneliness. I couldn't believe it. I thought, man, yeah. And, you know, but he was definitely a loner. And so we did these two songs for weeks, weeks, and then we after the studio set late at night, never wanted to go home. We always said, oh, just run. And then we were talking, listening to music, singing. And then we went back into the studio and for two weeks, there was no sleep at all. Maybe here and there, a little catnap. And uh, I must say, Demi was an angel. He was so sensitive. And he had just the right words. To he breathed new life into me. And I thought, okay, it's worth Living, yeah, 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 living more, doing what I love to do. And he definitely, you know, he was an angel to me in that, you know, darkest hour. So, so that's the reason why I thought, uh, mm. those uh, awesome guy. And he was definitely very, very that's you know, on that side. Not, I had to see that it was. Super cool, intelligent, very wise, very, very soulful. Yeah. Mm, great, yeah. What a lovely story. And look, I better better leave it there because I know you've got another one in a few minutes' time. But uh, what a lovely conversation with you, Doro. Thanks so much for giving me so much context on things and for that lovely tale at the end there. And congratulations on not just the album, but just just the person that you are. You know, because it is noted, and I think fans really care about you for that reason. And it's, you know, life is long, life is hard, but when you've got somebody like you making the music you do and connecting the way it does with people, 
you know, it's, you know, it means that I'm not saying that it means that there's a God necessarily, but, you know, it means that God's working through you. I think that's a really important point. Man, yeah, that positive energy, that is yeah. so important. And I think especially in this day and age where the whole world is so chaotic and where, yeah, you know, with all the stuff, what's going on. So I, I always felt on this album, I like hard to make, you know, you know, live extra special and, you know, and work harder than before. And uh, I always try to give my best, but this take it and, Ten notches up, you know, to to reach people and to give them some good. Yeah, lovely. All right, we'll hope to see you down here soon. Thanks so much for so much of your time. I really appreciate it. God bless and everything. And God bless you too. Thank you for having me. And it was great talking to you again. And I hope I see you live and see you at the concert, see you in Australia or anywhere here on this planet. And you're a cool guy. <laughs> Keep oh. it up. Thank you very much. All right. God bless again. Thanks very much. Talk to you again. Oh. Cheers. See ya. Well, there she is, ladies and gents, Doro. Thank you for bearing through the fairly average audio quality. But as I said in the introduction, it's a high quality conversation. There's some information in there that I certainly wasn't aware of. And I think that would be true for everybody else as well, unless you're somebody who listens to and reads all of the Doro content that's out there. Okay, if you like that one, go across to scarsandguitars.com because plenty more conversations await. And if you like listening, I know you like reading because you're an intelligent audience. For starters, you listen to Doro and you're listening to me. There you go. Click the link in the banner on the website and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice where you can download a sample of my book, Scars and Guitars, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal and Beyond. It's volume one, I'm working on volume two. I don't know when it'll see light of day, but sometime. So yeah, thanks for tuning in. There's some more information to share with you about the book, but before we get to that, I'll bid you a fond farewell. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until next time, it's a goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there, sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton. 
gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, 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 just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he, he was very, you know, very open-minded and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book. <laughs>